Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to Ben Jacobs about the importance of urban planning. Rising is a hit single by UK band The Beloved. It was their first top 40 hit in the UK, charting in November As a committed urbanist as I am, I know that cities and urban planning are 
not only it's not only a fascinating topic convince the non-nerds out there that urban planning um, is something which your average person in the street pun absolutely intended should actually get behind and understand yeah sure so if you talk about the things that affect your daily life just getting your trash collected the way being out on the street makes you feel whether the water you drink is poisonous or not these are the things that sort of ultimately fall under the purview of urban planning Ben, Ben, the, the listen, way... you, you, Ben, you and I are two fellow nerds, right? Okay, right. right. And you've got the beard to prove it, right? <laughs> now, uh, if we're going to try and sexy up the topic of urban planning, we, right. can't, we can't start with water. We need to talk about, about buildings and uh, be- beautiful streets with coffee shops, surely. Yeah, and aesthetics are extremely important. If you live in a place that makes you feel like trash because of how ugly it is, then to a certain extent, you're not going to be able to be a happy person. You need to be able to get the things that uh, are going to let you be the best you can be. And a part of that is having a park to go to sometimes and uh, having a, a nice view out your window to a certain extent. Okay. So when did uh, the discipline of urban town planning kind of truly start in its modern sense? Can you give us a little bit of a, of a history of that? Of course, urban planning sort of dates back to the Greeks and Romans, but one of the big uh, kickoff points was the reign of Napoleon III in France, mm-hmm. who was a horrible, brutal dictator. <laughs> and... I disagree with you. At the last, <laughs> the last year of his reign, what like eighteen sixty nine to eighteen seventy, he instituted the liberal empire in France. Right. Um, These, you know, um, took away censorship from the press, etc., etc. But anyway, go on. Go on. I'm just, I, I, I actually think he's misunderstood Napoleon III. Yeah, yeah um, I'm oversimplifying for brevity. Okay. The, the point is that he had complete dictatorial powers and so was able to do something like completely redesign the city of Paris and get it done. Uh, and he brought in um, his chief architect, was a guy named Hausman who proceeded to create plans and just rebuild the city of Paris. And when you say rebuild the city of Paris, you are implying knocking things down and replacing them. Uh, And to a certain extent, that project got a lot of people thinking about how cities could be planned and should be planned and things like that. So then the next thing that sort of happened was a guy named Ebenezer Howard in England who had this idea of the garden city that would bring parks and green spaces into the city with these weird concentric ring plans that he had. If you look them up, they're actually really interesting to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, And he actually tried to build a couple of them in England. There were a couple people in the U.S. who tried to do that. Uh, And then he, he ended up really influencing a movement in the United States called the City Beautiful Movement. Uh, which sort of uh, coalesced around the Chicago World's Fair, 1861, something like that. They've written a bunch of books about it. The people who were designing the Chicago World's Fair were very influenced by Ebenezer Howard and uh, kicked off the City Beautiful movement where sort of the the city fathers around the United States pushed to bring in uh, beautiful architecture and beautiful parks and stuff. Uh, This also intersected with work that was being done by Frederick Law Olmsted, who was the guy who designed Central Park in New York City. Most city park systems in the northeast of the United States claim that Frederick Law Olmsted had something to do with it, just because he's so uh, renowned now. And he had a bunch of urban theories. And then that led into a bunch of uh, planning efforts 
from sort of the 1890s to the 1920s that were along similar lines of bringing green spaces into urban spaces. I think if I was to ask the average person on the street about urban planning, um, mm-hmm. I think they'd probably say um, it's parks, isn't it? It's um, placing parks because if you don't think too much about the topic and you think of Manhattan in particular, you wouldn't place a massive park where it is in terms of the economic uh, opportunity lost, would you? On the face of it, you just think, well, let's just have some more roads where Central Park is and, and more buildings and etc, yeah. uh, etc. Et so um, tell us the reason why parks are just so important. Green spaces are so important for cities. As with all the stuff with urban planning, there's been a lot of shift over the last century in terms of how the people feel about this. For Frederick Law Olmsted, he, he had uh, a lot of theories that he put out there that were sort of based on the miasma theory of disease. <laughs> the city needs lungs to breathe or we're, we're going to get horrible diseases because we're, we're breathing bad air. Ultimately, if you take that sort of from a more philosophical direction, we do need places to recreate. We do need places to relax. That's an important city service. We can't just be at home and at work all the time or we go insane. To a certain extent, still something that people really care about, right? Because they they want a place to take their kids to play on a playground and, and things like that. Increasingly important for urban theorists is the idea that the actual ecological impacts of the city can be to a certain extent, remedied by the inclusion of park space. Uh, There's something called uh, the heat island effect, where if you have vast expanses of unmitigated pavement, uh, it collects heat and actually heats up the air around it. And so you can mitigate that by putting in trees and grass. And then just lots of animal species and stuff can make use of park spaces. The best thing is if you connect all your park spaces up with greenways, then you actually can have animals that can move through urban cities without getting impacted by human activities. And that's sort of the ideal right now. My hometown of Birmingham is seen as being one of the most kind of egregious examples of uh, <laughs> bad urban planning. Uh, for all of the right reasons, um, the government decided, the government and, and the city council decided in the late 1950s, early, early 1960s, that the car was going to be the future. They needed to level block after block, neighbourhood after neighbourhood to make way for motorways and ring roads to go direct into the city centre. Um, which cities internationally are seen as great examples of, of urban planning? And, then, and how exactly is that quantified? The thing is that it can't be quantified. <laughs> as much as we like to base ourselves on realistic criteria and give off this aura that we're the professionals and we know what we're talking about, urban planning, like a lot of professions, is subject to fads. And unfortunately, what you're talking about with putting in ring roads and all that stuff was one of the fads of urban planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of cities were subject to that. To, to answer your simple question of what are the, the good examples, based on current standards of urban planning, Every list is different, but you'll have cities thrown around like Copenhagen, Amsterdam, Zurich, Vancouver, Stockholm, to a certain extent, Singapore. And these are places that are walkable to a large extent. They have good public transportation systems. They have a fair amount of parks. They have good activity centers. They have a good economy. They have a good generalized standard of living and uh, ways for people to feel like they're not stressed out all the time. 
in the in the U.S., you can talk about places like Portland, Seattle, uh, Pittsburgh, uh, and the Twin Cities in Minnesota. All right. Now, this is the point where we need to quickly segue on to music. And mm-hmm. you're, one, you're one of these clever people who has uh, managed to um, keep the topic that we're talking about and then basically conflate that into your music choice, sir. So tell us about Six City Sometimes by the Buzzcocks. Right. So this is actually not considered one of their best songs off of what is not considered one of their best albums. It was put out in 2003. But for me, it's a song I keep coming back to when I think about cities and, and what I like in cities because... Mm-hmm. Uh, all those cities that I just listed off are, are very nice places, but the cities I grew up in are places like New York City, New Brunswick, New Jersey, uh, and Worcester, Massachusetts. Places that are maybe a little bit down on their luck. Uh, well, you, and... the Buzzcocks are from Bolton. You can't get a town more down on its luck than, than Bolton. <laughs> you know, post-industrial northern uh, English city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and those are the cities that I, I kind of love. To a certain extent, that's an exercise in privilege that, you know, I grew up in the suburbs and this is something that's much more exciting than having 2.5 kids in a two-car garage. But um, to a, much more broadly, those kinds of uh, post-industrial cities uh, are a place where you can sort of see the reality of modern life in a much more honestly, I think. I've listened to the song like a billion times and uh, only recently realized that the second verse was about 9-11. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm from the New York City area. I was there when it happened. Uh, so it, that's also somewhat poignant that uh, cities that we take for granted, that th- things can happen to them that change everything pretty quickly. Flex. 
Yeah. Have you ever fallen in love with a city you shouldn't have fallen in love with? <laughs> well, I think that my whole lead-in to that song was uh, about how the cities I fall in love with aren't the ones you should fall in love with. <laughs> uh, the the school the the city I went to college in and, and spent five years of my life in was Worcester, Massachusetts, and the the school I went to is Clark University, and uh, right in Maine South Worcester, and uh, you probably couldn't come up with a more down on its luck area at the time uh, there was something like a 30% unemployment rate and of the people who are unemployed uh, half of them had AIDS it was one of the big shifters of heroin on the east coast at the time Oh wow! Uh, my school Clark University teamed up with a lot of local leaders and they've done a lot to, to improve the situation uh, through the uh, the main south uh, CDC the community development corporation and so they've done a lot of good work down there and Maine South isn't what it was so I was really interested in the list of cities which you said are seen as kind of good examples of urban planning and, and Singapore made the list and um, having been a, a student of history um, obviously Singapore is a city state one of the kind of few city states that le- left on, on the planet and actually had a benign dictator um, Mr Lee for, for some, some 30 years and kind of similar to Napoleon III has made a massive kind of imprint on, on Singapore. Um, why Singapore seen as being an example of good urban planning? Because it doesn't have the architectural heritage of somewhere like an Amsterdam or a Copenhagen, does it? No. I pulled that list from a bunch of lists that uh, other people have put together. Uh, but I, I would say that I know Singapore has one of the only profitable public transportation systems in the world. <laughs> wow. Uh, public transportation in general does not exist without public subsidy. That's uh, a misconception that people have that it is possible. It's just not. The only ex- exception is Singapore, where the, the land use pattern is so completely dense. You know, people have to take trains everywhere. Mm-hmm. And even then, the reason that the public transportation system is uh, is profitable is because they uh, make a lot of money off of financial transactions from the smart card system. P- putting that to one side, Singapore is uh, very dense, it's walkable, and there's there's just a lot going on there, despite the somewhat troubling political situation of the country as a whole. Just before we start to wrap things up, again, I'm just using my hometown as a, as a barometer of how things have changed in urban planning, so... Um, in the late 1950s, um, early 1960s, the car was seen as being the future. So cities that were planned around about that time, um, definitely in the UK and I believe in the US, uh, decided to have um, highways, motorways, freeways, etc., whatever the, the expression is, depending on which side of the Atlantic you are, in and out of them. Um, the trend now seems to be for walkable cities. It's a term that you've used um, a few times and definitely the way that I describe somewhere like San Francisco uh, to people. And what is the definition of a walkable city? First of all, you want complete sidewalk infrastructure, mm-hmm. uh, which is more of a problem than you might think. Just all the streets should have a sidewalk. Perceptions of space are, are very strange. If you go to like a Walmart where they have these huge uh, parking lots, and you end up parking in the back. It can feel like it's the worst thing in the world to walk up to the door, I- even though it's it's only like an eighth of a mile if you measure it straight line. Mm-hmm. Y- you make that eighth of a mile or a quarter mile or something like that in like downtown Manhattan, and it's nothing. It's over in a second. You don't even notice it because you're, there's so much going on. You don't have this 
plotting distance that you have to cross. It, it, you're, there's, you're looking at storefronts, you have this nice view of the street, there's all these people walking around that you can watch. And so uh, a walkable city is is a place where there's lots of activity down at the street, there's lots of things to look at, such that walking doesn't feel like a chore. To a large extent, you also need a good public transportation system because you, you shouldn't have to save half your energy for getting back to where you started. With the world becoming uh, more urbanized, are you urban town planners, the, n- the new rock stars? <laughs> no, we will never be the new rock stars. Uh, <laughs> I think ur- urbanism and urban planning is extremely important for, for this kind of thing, but uh, ultimately we're, we're technocrats and we don't want to be the people who are out in front. Uh, ultimately we need to convince the politicians and the public to listen to what we're saying uh, but it's probably never going to be a thing that happens because of our personal magnetism because we spend a lot of time thinking about things like the poisonous water supply and, and things like that Benjamin Jacobs, thank you for coming on to Friday 15 and helping to shine a light onto the interesting, fascinating world of why cities are the way that they are through urban planning Thanks for having me Easy, simple, done it Yes Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. I am sick. I will punch a baby bear in his shit. Give me lip. I'm going to send you to the yard. Get a stick. Make a switch. I can end the conversation real quick. I am cracked. I ain't lying. Kick a lion in his crack. I'm the shit. I will fall off in your crib. Take a shit. Hit your mama on the booty. Kick your dog. Fuck your bitch. That boy dressed up like you sat on and took pictures with your kids. We the best. We will cut a frowning face in your chest, little wench. I'm going to mention a refresh. I'm a mensch. Get correct. I will walk into a court while they wreck. Screaming, yes. I am guilty, motherfuckers. I am death. Hey, you want to hear a good joke? Nobody speak. Nobody get choked.
Top billing, come cops and villain it. Shots is blocked, shipped out and bought, and y'all feeling it. LP killing it, killing my killing shit. What more can I say? We top billing it. Valiant without villain it. Viciously found victory. Burnt towns and villages, burning, looting and pillaging. Murderers try to hurt us, we curse them and all their children. I just want the bread and bologna bundles to tuck away. I don't work for free, I am barely giving a fuck away. So tell begging Johnny and mommy to get the fuck away. Yo, here's a gun, son. Nobody Speak is a slice of Gangster Grass by American music producer DJ Shadow, featuring a rap verse from the American rap duo Run the Jewels. Released in 2016, the song was first a part of Run the Jewels' record store day release. Think is a funk song recorded by Lynn Collins and released as a single in 1972. The recording was produced by James Brown, who also wrote the song and features instrumental backing from his band, the JBs. Waterfall Belize was written by Michael McDonald and Kenny Loggins. The single reached number one in the Billboard Hot 100 in April 1979 for one week. It also received Grammy Awards in 1980 for both Song of the Year and Record of the Year.
Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday15. You can also find us on Twitter, where you can follow me, where I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Now, every Thursday, you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15. iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me from Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.